Trauma to Triumph podcast. I'm Annabelle Ingleton. I am your host. I'm a trauma-informed coach. I help coaches use their higher selves to create successful one-on-one coaching businesses. So welcome to episode number 64, guys. If you're listening to this podcast episode, this is being filmed in February, mid-February 2022. And I'm now going to be recording video of these podcast episodes when, um, yeah, when I record them. And so the, the audio you're hearing is obviously the audio version, but if you go to YouTube, I'm going to be, um, creating the actual video of me recording the episodes because I just want to create more content for, for the interwebs. People want to see, see me on video. I've I've had people ask about YouTube and stuff like that. And although I don't, I haven't had that much of a presence there, I want to start doing it. So what a fun way to see me and listen to me at the same damn time. So welcome to episode number 64. We're talking about self-leadership. If you follow me on Instagram, you know that I recently did a live on what self-leadership is and why you need it and specifically why you need it as a coach if you are a coach, if you're a business owner, and in general, just as a person, but it does really, really help you in your coaching business. So I wanna share um, some of the main points that I did, and then I'm also gonna take you through a really fun live exercise um, that includes like, basically, I wanna have you experience physiologically what it feels like to be in your parts and to be in your higher self. If you don't know what I'm talking about when I say parts and higher self, I have some, I have a past episode on, I think I want to, I think it's called internal family systems or your internal system. Listen to that one. I explain it really thoroughly what each of these parts are, but basically I'll give you the cliff notes here. Um, basically what they, what that means is that your higher self is the part that you were born with. It's your actual true authentic self that has always been there as a, as a as a child grew up and but then things happened shit happened life happened and more than likely you were you could have been subjected to your parents or caregivers behavior saw them model certain behavior or you were you expressed yourself in certain ways like acted in a certain way emoted had certain feelings um uh, had certain behaviors or made certain requests, certain needs and things like that. And if they weren't handled in the best of ways by your caregivers, what could have happened is you end up learning by either example or by your caregivers actually telling you not to do these things. And we kind of, what we end up start learning is that we start learning is ourselves, our true selves, our needs, our thoughts, our behaviors, our emotions, our all that stuff isn't welcome here. It's not um, good. 
And this, what we end up doing, like if, we, if, our, if our feelings or emotions scare our parents, if, if they don't know how to handle it, they tell us, go to your room if you're going to be mad. Or um, if what we do or make requests, we're negated. If when we're fearful or scared, we're not held and, and loved and nurtured and kind of attuned to, then when we end up learning little by little, especially if this happens chronically or very consistently, you end up denying these parts of yourself, your true parts of yourself your needs, your desires, your values, your thoughts, your emotions, your behaviors. And what happens is, hold on, I'm going to move my camera real quick because I notice, I realize it's like sitting on books and this isn't cute because I think it, there we go. Now you guys can see my phone <laughs> in the audio or the video, I should say. Um, and so what happens is we we end up denying these parts of ourselves. And these parts of ourselves are our beautiful, wonderful, authentic selves. And when you, if you do this often enough, this becomes your norm and you stop listening to your intuition and you stop listening to your thoughts and you stop believing your emotions and you stop doubting your um, desires or needs or stop making requests. And then you start just doing what maybe parents want you to do or what your friends want you to do or what a boyfriend or a partner wants you to do and we slowly we can slowly lose ourselves right like when I say selves I'm kind of putting quotation marks but I mean it we lose a part of ourselves and we deny our thoughts and needs when they do come up maybe they do come up later and then when we have this desire to do something we're like no 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 maybe maybe I shouldn't do that because it's not right or we just like deny it when you probably, it's like a genuine desire if you had it, right? This is an adaptive behavior that we end up learning. It's adaptive behavior. It's called adaptive behavior because what it was is it served you at some point when you were younger, when your mom said, stop crying or go to your room, or you're a bad kid for doing that, for just doing something that upset your parents. When enough of those things happen over and over, we deny those like genuine parts of us right? And then you do that often enough, you lose touch with that part of yourself and you just have all these new parts of you that aren't really you. They're all learned and modeled behaviors. There's nothing wrong with that per se. It's just behaviors that you ended up learning that were, that you continued and started to do because it served you as a child to stay safe in a home for your parents to take care of you. But it doesn't serve you now as an adult. Because now you may not even know what your tastes are. You may not even know what you like. You may not be doing the career you actually want. You may not be married to someone who you want to be married to. You may be struggling between your sexuality or your gender or your religion or your spirituality and things like that. Because you've been living a life sometimes, a lot of people, and I, this happens, just, I hear this so often, guys, with my clients, um, they have lives that they are really unhappy in because they chose partners, chose careers, chose bodies, chose spiritual religions, spoke, chose genders and sexualities that they felt like they had to because of the constructs or social norms that we that our family wanted or our society wanted or our community or our culture or our family of origin. So this is these become parts of us, these, these, this version that you're living now for a lot of people. This isn't the case for a, a lot of people. Some people are like, no, I'm, I like who I am. I like my career. I like my job. I like my body and I like my personality or whatever. But what I have found is that when 
I know for me, I'll speak to, for myself, when I started doing this work, I started learning so much about myself. And the more you clean up stuff, the more you do a lot of healing work and you wipe out a lot of those um, beliefs and behaviors that came because of all the fear that you used to live off of, like all the the trauma that you used to have. And when you stop doing a lot of those things and you are left with like your act, the actual you, those things were just behaviors that you did to survive in a world that felt very scary or that you had to adapt to. People are really surprised at who they are now. And, but it's not surprising, not in a negative way, but just like, this is who I really am. So I'll give you an example for me. I used to, and I've mentioned this before on the podcast incessantly, so you guys might be tired of hearing it, but it's okay. I used to wear a lot of makeup and always be dressed up and heels and dresses and look at trying to look all cute and sexy and shit. And now I don't do that. (laughs) That was a trauma response for me. I learned at a certain age that I got love and attention when I looked nice, when I looked pretty because I was skinny, because my hair was pretty or my makeup or something. Okay. This happened at some point. I don't know at what point, but it did happen at some point. And so I was, I learned to believe that I had to look nice in order to get love. And when I started doing a lot of my healing work, I learned that that shit wasn't true, that I was worthy of love and perfect just the way I was. And I didn't have to do all that stuff anymore. And I remember growing up like in my twenties, thirties and being so drained by like the process of getting ready like that shit used to take me like an hour and a half like two hours to get ready it was no joke it was a process like shower makeup makeup took me like an hour and then hair and then dress you know all that stuff and I remember like it just feeling really draining and like like this chore like something I didn't want to do and I think that's a clue where you're when you're doing something that isn't true to you because it drains you it burns you out versus livening you up or like you feeling really excited I didn't know that at the time I was just like it just burns me out because it fucking takes a long time but no it was it was actually something that I learned later now in my 40s now I'm 42 um that I don't like to do that like, so for example, today I have a full face and hair of makeup. If you're watching this video, you see I have all, I'm all done up. Just my hair and makeup. I'm like in a black button up, like work shirt, like Banana Republic shirt, something chill. But I have a full face of makeup and hair, which is not something I normally do. You guys know me. If you guys follow me on Instagram, this is not me. I typically, I'm in like five minute makeup. I have like a little bit of brows, mascara, eyeliner, blush, lip gloss. That's it. I wear glasses 95% of my days. My hair, I do it like once a week. And then thank God I have, thank you Susie for putting these amazing extensions in my hair because it makes life so easy. This is probably like five day hair, four day hair. I don't even know. Um, And I just don't get ready all the time. The more I did this healing work, the less and less and less I started noticing that I just, I don't want to say I didn't care. I just didn't put the effort into this getting all done up because I was like, I'm per- I remember just believing like, I'm just perfect. Like I don't have to wear a lot of makeup. I'm good the way I am. And I really do love being very minimal. Like 
I love wearing a t-shirt, a white t-shirt and a blazer, some jeans and some loafers, minimal makeup, glasses. I am a happy girl. I'll get, I'll wear makeup, I'll do my hair and stuff like that like once in a while. I did it today because I filmed my video for my, for um, my sales page for the new coaching program, Self Made, which I'll be talking about in a little bit. And so I, I did my makeup for that because that's going to live on the interwebs for a hot minute. But for the most part, y'all know that I'm, I don't do that anymore because I've connected more with my true and highest self. I've led myself into who I really am. Like who I really am is someone who doesn't wear that much makeup. I was born without, like I was born with no makeup, right? We're born not wearing any makeup at all for women. And I love that part of me. I'm really okay with it. Like I remember when I was in my 20s, I would not go anywhere without like a full face of makeup. I'm 42. I love it. I love not wearing makeup. And it's that's something that you can see was a trauma response. It was a response of it was adaptive behavior. It was a belief that I had that if I didn't look quote unquote beautiful or done up, I wasn't going to get loved. And through my healing work, that belief was I shed that belief. I now know that I'm perfectly wonderful and beautiful without all that stuff and I don't have to do it. And so I don't and, uh, and I've stopped drinking. Um, that was very much a coping behavior. It was an adaptive behavior. Nonetheless, it was a coping mechanism. Like I believed I had to drink to deal with like unpleasant emotions. I didn't know how to manage my emotions very well. And so, um, that was a behavior I've stopped since. Um, I used to, I used to believe I had to work really hard and long hours to make a lot of money. Um, I don't believe that anymore. So a lot of things have changed. My business model has changed as a result of a lot of my healing. The way I look has changed. Um, I don't drink alcohol. So, so many things, right? Which is something I want to unpack. I want to do an episode probably next week about alcohol because I have learned so much about that. And, but we're, we're going to do an episode on, on, on drinking alcohol, but anyway, so being self-led, so self-leadership, what is that? Self-leadership is being more connected to who you really are, to the true, true parts of you. And you can connect more to those parts of you when you start learning about some of the behaviors that you're doing now, you can kind of, the way you can get to it is you can, you can work, get there a couple ways. I got there by feeling a lot of pain in a certain area of my life. So my, my marriage, I was getting really triggered, right? You guys know my story. And I was getting really triggered in my marriage because my husband was drinking and I was terrified and I didn't understand it. And then after many years and finally us breaking up, I learned that I was being triggered by his drinking because that was, um, I believed he was going to hurt me. Like my dad used to hurt my mom when he would drink. And unfortunately it broke our marriage up. Now I know that it wasn't ever his fault. He was never doing anything wrong per se. I was just triggered as fuck. And um, sometimes we learn through experiences like this. Sometimes we get to our higher selves through big, big events, big behaviors that we that show us where our wounding is, right? So for me, it was my marriage and the fear and the anxiety I had in my marriage. And then it was affecting me as a mother, as just a, as a regular person. And that led me. I was like, why am I so scared all of a sudden? I was always that way, but I, it was to a crazy degree when I was married, right? So 
that led me, I was like, I hate feeling this way. This is this, I want to go back to the way I used to be. How could I get back to it? So I ended up learning, finding, digging, 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 and then coming to all this trauma work and all this stuff, right? So this led me to work on all these wounds that I had, and it shed a lot of this adaptive behavior, the coping mechanisms, the beliefs I had, the makeup, and all the trying to impress people, all this shit, right? And so I've slowly gotten back to who I really am. And who I really am is someone who's perfect and worthy of love just because I exist. But I also feel like I live my life in a very different way. I'm okay with, I've been single for like six, seven months now. The old me could never be single. I was I was always in a relationship. I was terrified of being single. It was so scary because I used to have like, beliefs around not being loved or or uh, I felt very abandoned or rejected when I was alone and now I've worked with all those parts that I I'm fine being by myself Um, I'm somebody now who feels very capable very smart to lead myself lead my children lead, lead my three girls lead a great successful coaching business help other people this wasn't always the case right I was always very doubtful and scared and terrified and I had to be an employee and all this stuff so my life looks very, very different as a result of doing a lot of this work. And I feel very, like, I feel, one, very blessed to live this life. But two, the fact that I've come into more of who I truly am is, oh my God, I think it's just the best gift ever, right? Is I'm not worried what other people think about me. I'm not trying to impress other people. I'm not fearful of bad things happening. I trust myself. I I feel very calm a lot of the time. I'm very compassionate with other people. I don't judge people. I'm not impatient like I used to be. I'm not this angry person. Um, I have a lot of the traits of self-leadership. So let's get into what self-leadership is, guys, okay? But I wanted to explain some of these things about me so maybe you guys can see yourself in my situation and say, okay, I want to get there. Maybe I'm not there yet. Just so you can, just in comparison to see where you're at now, right? Or I'm go. I feel like I'm getting there. I feel like I'm doing a lot of work, and maybe I'm gonna. I'm gonna, I'm getting to full self leadership, right? Um, so I'm gonna explain what the the eight C's or the eight traits of self leadership. And this is a concept. This is a theory through internal family systems. This is something by Richard Schwartz. He created this theory, um, the internal systems model. And I subscribe to. That type of therapy model, there's a lot of other ones, coherence therapy, um, system-centered therapy, AEDP, somatic experiencing. There's a lot of therapy systems and models that kind of address or talk about these kinds of things like healing wounds to not be in these adaptive behaviors and beliefs and coping mechanisms and stuff to get back to your to your higher self, okay, and be self-led and not be parts-driven. So um, I just really like the the traits that he d- defines as parts of, of self-leadership because um, I really do subscribe to them. I do think that I um, you can, you do get to this, to these traits. Uh, most of my clients will say like that they feel a lot of these traits since doing their work. And I, subs- I believe that too. So I'm going to read the, the eight. Number one, calm. You have more calmness. You, have, you're just a, you feel a lot more calm anywhere you are. Calm with yourself, calm with people, just like a lot more peace, um, confident. Remember I mentioned feeling confident with makeup, no makeup, right? You just feel really good with yourself. You trust yourself. So I think with trust comes a lot of confidence that you can, you're there for yourself. Uh, number three, curiosity. So 
oh, I think this is such a great trait that, that your higher self um, has acquires when you do, when you work with a lot of, um, and do a lot of this healing work because you, instead of being judgmental about people and not being able to tolerate parts of yourself or po- to- tolerate parts of other people, you, you, you tend to just be curious and say, hmm, I wonder why they're acting that way. Whereas before I'd get so fucking offended and maybe you can relate to this too, right? You get really offended very quickly instead of just getting curious why people do what they do or why they did something to you or why they acted in a certain way. Um, curiosity, I think is, oh, I think probably, probably honestly my favorite, my most favorite trait of self-leadership. It just opens up, opens you up for just so much contemplation and space to, to grow and, um, instead of judging. Okay. Number four, clarity. This one's great too. Um, I think clarity comes from, it comes from not being in your head so much and overthinking and doubting and worrying and anxiety and all that stuff. And when your head's very clear, I mean, when you're, when you're not in anxiety and overthinking and over doubting and indecision and all these things that like parts make you do because they don't, they don't really trust you. You don't trust self. You have clarity. And so, oh, that's yeah. An amazing, amazing trait of self-leadership. Uh, number five, compassion. Again, probably one of my, my second top one um, is you're just more compassionate with people and yourself. I'm going to go into a little bit right now um, some of the things that parts, your your wounded parts or your protector parts aren't able to do and <clears throat> traits that yourself is. Excuse me, let me drink a cup of my, uh, sip of my water. <clears throat> and... Um, you're only as compassionate with other people as you are with yourself. You are, we are, we treat others at the same level of intimacy. We have intimacy with others at the same level of intimacy that we have with ourselves. So if we're not able to have compassion with ourselves, you are not going to, it's going to be really hard for you to have compassion for other people. Does that make sense? And so you'll hear me explain some examples of this, but um, compassion, I think is probably Oh, probably one of the best trades that I love. Again, it's probably my second because having compassion for myself and not having my inner critic be so loud and judgmental, that creates so much calm and clarity in your head, okay? Creativity. Oh, I love creativity too. Okay, so creativity, yeah, I've been able to open up myself to just so much more creativity. Um, I remember when I was in, in my anxious places and I couldn't, I love music so much. I love singing. I could not listen to music. I couldn't, I was, music almost made me angry because I, I remember noticing my parts would be angry when music would be on because it was like, fuck music. I can't even enjoy it. Like, I don't know. There was this, like, this weird part of me that was very mad at music. And maybe because it reminded me of my dad because my dad was a musician. I don't know. But now, um, I remember dating somebody last summer who plays a guitar and, and sang, sang, and we would always play the, we'd, he'd always play and I would always sing with him. And it, it was, I was, you know, I was deep into my healing journey back then. And it's just something that I love so much. It brought out such a creative side of me. And then I just try to be as creative I can, as I can in like my work and my business and stuff like that. But yeah, creativity is such a great, um, a great attribute. If, if you're somebody who, you if you notice, like 
do you have are you able to be creative in your life in whatever way like are you an artist are you somebody who likes to express yourself with dance or singing or music or play an instrument and and are you able to access that creativity in you writing you know if you're a writer or if you're a designer anything something that like brings out your creativity notice if you're not able to that's um when you're in a fearful defensive state where you don't feel like you have all the resources you need to be safe creativity is probably it's one of the things that goes I think one of the first things that goes play and creativity are that's one of the attributes of of self too is playfulness it's not one of the ones that start with c but Richard Schwartz has has discussed that before um play Playing creativity is, I think, are, is our big ones. And notice if you're not able to do that. Like, I'm like, oh, I remember, like, when my daughters were young. I just had no patience to play and sit. I was always so anxious and scared. Um, I'm so thankful for for that ability to have that. Uh, number seven, courage. I mean, listen, it goes without saying, right? When you're scared, when you're fearful courageousness is just it's hard it's hard to have um and it makes sense that you that you're not able to have courage when you're scared and fearful but when you have your parts feel calmer and they trust self um and you've done work with a lot of your on your protector parts and your wounded parts these adaptive behaviors that they used to make you do they trust self and self is very courageous and it feels like anything's possible like we could do it we can make a million dollars like that's how I feel I'm crazy I'm gonna be a millionaire give me a couple years (laughs) and I I'm not scared of it and I feel like yeah it's gonna happen it's just a function of like when it's not even like will it it will um and I'm very courageous in that way so notice where you feel like you don't have courage where you want it this is one of the traits of self-leadership um and then the last one connectedness so important this is connectedness to yourself, to all your parts, and to other people. Do you feel safe with people? Do you feel like you can connect with other people? Do you feel connected to yourself? Do you, when you have a critical part of you come up that judges you, do you, are you scared of those parts of you? Are you, do you feel really disconnected from yourself? Like you dissociate a lot? Uh, do you feel like you don't feel safe with people? Like you don't, you can't connect with others. Like people just don't feel safe relationships, marriage, commitment, you know, the ability to connect with your kids, to hug them, to kiss them, to attune to them, to nourish them, to love them. Do you, you know, is it hard for you to do that? And listen, whatever, whatever the answer is, is what is your answer? It's okay. Just notice where a lot of these traits feel really hard. Um, where they feel maybe even impossible for you to to um, to have acquired them and to actually pay them out, and it's very normal when you haven't done a lot of this, um, when you haven't mended to and worked with a lot of a lot of these wounded and and protector parts. Okay, so these are the eight main traits that arise spontaneously when your parts open up space inside of you. And they move out of the way to give self, your higher self, the space to lead. Um, It's almost as if self has like, just, it's like this other, like you probably have experienced self. 
And I'm going to get, again, I'm going to take you through this quick exercise so that you can kind of feel what it's like to, to embody self. But you, you experience, I know everyone has, this is when you feel really like you probably have glimpses of it when you're, maybe when you're watching a movie and you're just kind of like out of your head and you're just enjoying like a really good film and, or all of a sudden you have this burst of like happiness or peace or like optimism. I remember getting those when I was all fucked up. And just really in pain, you know, and feeling like everything's going to be okay. Like I just had this quick burst of like knowing of the, of peace and then it would go away quickly. And then I'd be like, what the fuck? How do I get that back? That felt so good. And that was, I really do feel like self, when your parts quiet down for a minute, self enters and takes up more space. And then you feel that, that really like that openness and that optimism and the joy that's what it feels like to be in self. A lot of people feel this way. They call it like flow when they're doing the work that they love or when they're um, with someone that they really love, right? I think being in love and connected to someone that you feel really safe with, you can feel this way. So we, I'm sure you probably have experienced it. And if you haven't, nothing has gone wrong. You can get there. I promise you, you can get there. Um, It's just, you know, maybe you just need a little bit more work on some stuff. And listen, when I say work, guys, I I feel like that sounds like you got to do more work. Like you have to, it's, you need to work harder. Like that's not what I mean. That's really not what I mean. I just mean there's parts of you that, that need some attention. There's some internal parts that need, that need, that have some wounding that we need to, that you need to get to. And hopefully some of the stuff that I shared today will kind of, can kind of lead you to that. All right. Um, I wrote down, you can tell a different part of you is there because relative to how they were moments ago, you're now feeling very calm. Um, so that's like when your parts move out and give you space. All right. You are not your parts. You are not your protector parts. You're not your wounded parts. You're not your critic. You're not any of these parts of you. You're not your ego. I believe ego. Um, I you you probably never hear me say e- the word ego. I don't typically. You, it's not in my vernacular whatsoever. I believe ego is a group of a lot of manager parts that are trying to portray a certain image to the world and do things a certain way and worry about what other people think and how you're portrayed. That's what I believe ego is. It's a bunch of manager parts. Okay. Um. You're not bad or lazy or a dumb person that makes mistakes. You're not those versions of you. You are yourself. Things have just happened in your life where now maybe you're always feeling that way. Judgmental, upset, angry, sad, all those unpleasant feelings that self doesn't feel because they're trying to get your attention. They're the ones driving the car, like I say, um, because... They're, they're there because they just need attention. And we and what we don't listen to, guys, what insists and we don't listen to, it will persist. So notice if you're still always feeling this way, it's because these parts are there. They're actually messengers. When you're feeling scared, when you're feeling sad, when you're feeling defeated, when you're feeling frustrated, when you're feeling doubtful, this is a sign of you. Like this is like a messenger saying, hey, listen to me. I, I, I have something to tell you. So... um you're separate from your parts. You are self and then you have all these other parts. The real you is there. It always has been. 
it's just that past experiences, created wounds, beliefs, behaviors, these different parts of you now that want to keep you safe from bad things ever happening again. Remember, your protector parts, like your firefighter manager parts, are there to protect the wounded parts of you and they never want them to feel pain again. And so they've spontaneously have been created in your internal system to keep to keep you safe because they think that they need to be the one driving the car because you, this is what they believe, um, self, got them there, right? That, that you got wounded because you were driving. So they're like, no, we're driving the car now, okay? <clears throat> These parts protect you to keep you safe, some, but sometimes they do it in very destructive and painful ways. So your firefighters, remember, they're very present moment focused and they just want you to get rid of pain and only feel pleasure. So they have you cope a lot, drinking, overeating, drugs, sex, shopping, procrastinating, avoiding, shutting down, staying in your bed all day, canceling plans. And then your manager parts are very future focused and they're trying to protect you too, but they do it more like ego, right? Like I mentioned earlier. So they're going to be more compelled to tell you to look a certain way and people please and try to be perfectionistic and make a lot of money and be successful and people you know all these things and when you do a lot of these behaviors the firefighter driven stuff and the manager driven stuff and then the wounded parts right they're the ones that like oh they feel pain and shame and um uh terrified and just scared and then there's um, the, the critical, the self-critic part. Um, they all are there with the intention of keeping you safe, but they just do it in really bad ways by making you act a certain way, making you do certain behaviors, and making you feel a certain way. But once you learn how to work with these internal parts of you, understand when and why they were created, right, when you were wounded, and what their intention is for you, you can relieve them of that role. And when you relieve them of that role that they used to do, maybe you have a part of you that's very perfectionistic and wants you to always look a certain way. And you let that part know, like, listen, I'm we're, we're pretty good without makeup. We ain't got to do that no more. And they're like, N- yeah, you do, because this wounded part is over here crying when you don't look all cute. And we got to look nice. And people won't love us if we don't. And we, if you work, you talk to that part, you can lead it and say, listen, I know you, we used to believe that, but look, I, I'm okay by my, I'm okay with that wearing makeup. Watch, I'm going to wear, I'm not going to wear makeup for a couple of days. And you could see that people are still going to love me and still be there for me. No one cares about that stuff. And, but once you can understand, like, you see how that part kind of, I kind of, kind of exposed what that part thought. Like if we don't do it, no one's going to love us. That's the fear that the part has. They do it for a reason. And once you guide it, once you lead it and let it know, we don't need to. Trust me. I got it. We're only wearing makeup once a month. Um, and then it sees that it's safe and it's okay. Then it'll let you. And then it'll stop making you be that way. So um, they'll still be a part of you. The protector parts will still be there because they want to protect you in other ways. In normal, healthy ways. They just won't do it in that way. Okay. And once this happens, you'll find that you have a lot more, you feel a lot more centered and grounded, right? You have all those traits uh, of the higher self. You'll trust yourself more. Self can lead and the parts stop driving the car. Um, When you're in your higher self, you have all those eight 
traits of clarity, compassion, courage, curiosity, creativity, calmness, connectedness, and confidence. Self-trust the world. And trust um, self is, more importantly, parts trust yourself. These All these parts that were there trust you to lead. So you just feel more like, you just feel more confident. And like, any, like if anything happens, like I got my back. I think that's probably one of the best, 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 best feelings and attributes that come from, from doing this work is that you feel just really safe anywhere you go, anywhere in your body, because I know, you know that you can take care of it. If somebody comes and tries to hurt us, like it's okay, we're, we're going to be okay. It feels like that. You feel a lot of trust. Um, this is some, again, this is stuff that like my clients constantly tell me that they feel once they do this work. Um, and I hope you can experience too. And, um, let's see, where am I? You, you see, you can only, oh, you'll experience this for yourself. And the great other part is you'll experience this with others. The compassion you have for yourself, you'll be able to have compassion for others. The trust that you have for yourself, you'll be able to trust others. Notice the things that you can't handle with other people. You probably can't handle in yourself. I'll give you an example. If you find yourself judging others more than likely or being impatient with others, let's just say, you more than likely are this way with yourself. Hold on, I need to disconnect my laptop real quick. Please do it without breaking anything. Okay. Uh, Where was I? Yeah, so you can find yourself, if you find yourself judging others, a lot of times it's because you judge yourself or if you're impatient with others more than likely you're impatient with yourself if it's hard for you to be vulnerable you probably are uncomfortable or judge others when they're vulnerable or you don't accept people's vulnerable parts you're like i'm fine if he's strong and works really hard but when he's all sad and crying fuck that a little pussy no we should love everybody's beautiful little parts, all everything about people, right? So notice where you have these ideas about other people where you're not patient with or compassionate about or um, tolerable of other people's parts. These are probably parts of you that you're not, that you don't accept. The parts in us that we don't accept, we typically don't accept those parts in others. If certain parts of you frighten you or you suppress them, this may be how you handle things in real life. So if you're scared of your self-critic, you're probably, you probably get worried or scared when other people criticize you, okay? And the goal is to learn all about these parts of you, of us, and meet them with curiosity and with compassion. Only then will they share this experience with you and you can then understand them better, which will allow you to lead and understand yourself better, right? It's all parallel in that way. Your internal world matches up with your external world you've heard people say this right how you feel inside like show me your show me your outside life and i'll show you what's going on in your inside i i truly believe that with like every ounce of and cell of my body and there's nothing wrong with you if this is what's going on for you now you probably never even understood this you probably have never heard these concepts before this may be the first time you're listening to the podcast and you're like what the fuck what is that about talking about? But it rings true for you, like it resonates, right? Nothing's wrong with you. You just need, you probably haven't learned how to work with and and be with these parts of yourself, okay? 
But you've probably experienced this with someone. So I'm going to give you an example. Have you ever met someone that you felt was very charismatic? They were kind, they were open, inviting, confident, um, expressed themselves really freely, shared their passions, um, was even maybe really vulnerable to share some of their past mistakes. They were very, they had like a very humble vibe. They were smart, but not cocky, giving, but it felt really genuine, creative and playful, maybe even childlike and fun. They made fun of themselves. They didn't take themselves too seriously, yet they conveyed this air of confidence. This is probably someone who is probably living in their, in, from their highest self. They had all the traits of self. Yeah. Now, can you think of someone that was very much the opposite? Cocky and arrogant, talked about others and impatient with everybody, demanded respect but didn't give it. They tried to seem confident, but you, they had an energy of insecurity that you just felt. This was probably somebody more in their parts, right? Again, neither is wrong, neither is right. Every, we welcome all our, all parts are welcome, okay? All parts are welcome here. But <clears throat> parts, again, they just want to be safe. They're driving the car because they feel like they live in a world where they have to protect them, protect us, protect your body, okay? Protect yourselves at whatever means necessary. And they want others to think that they're okay and have it all together, and they want to feel good and they don't want to feel any pain. And so they numb or they hustle and have a lot of those adaptive behaviors, right? They mean well. People that are like this mean well, but they feel forced to do this. They they protect our protector parts. They protect our wounded parts, remember, until you learn to work with these parts of yourself. And these are all beautiful parts. Um, again, beautiful parts of you that keep you scared and doubtful. And make you maybe even like procrastinate and do all these like all these adaptive behaviors, right? Again, like I mentioned earlier, there are parts of me that had me drinking. Um, they had me procrastinating so many parts of my life. They had me not moving my body and never wanted me to work out or do anything for myself and never wanted me to be alone. I had to be with someone at all times. They meant well. They just didn't want me lonely. They didn't want me broke. They didn't want me to feel abandoned. They didn't want me to feel sad. They didn't want me to feel ugly and not loved, right? All, they all, they meant well. They just did it in a jacked up way. That didn't feel right to me. Where am I? Sorry, guys, I'm reading my notes. <laughs> so these parts of you totally mean well, but I believe that they're keeping you from living from your highest self, living out your dream life that you're meant to have. Um, and... What's great though is you can learn to to get to your higher self. I can I can teach you even how to lead them, um, and how to take the lead and and work with those parts. This is what I teach my clients. Um, I used to do this in my one on one coaching. Now I'm doing it in my new group coaching program, and it's really what's created and changed my life is understanding myself, working with all these wounded and protector parts of me, and healing the coping mechanisms and adaptive behaviors I used to do and now I just feel so much calmer like my voice my head the head like the voices in my head I used to have oh my gosh if somebody could hear those parts of me wow um I just feel so much calmer so much more confident a lot of these traits like I mentioned right so now I want to 
take you through this uh, little short exercise so you can kind of experience this, okay? Um, where am I? Where am I? Okay, here we go. So I want to share an exercise that some people find very powerful so that they can get a sense of what it feels like to access yourself and one of your protector parts, okay? So I'm going to begin by inviting you to think of a person in your past. If you're driving or you're busy doing something, don't do this now, okay? Do this when you're quiet, like no kids, you know, maybe in your, if you're in the shower or you're whatever, but don't do this while you're driving or you're working, probably. I mean, listen, if you can get away with it at work, I don't know, but don't do this if you're driving. All right, so um, I'll begin by inviting you to think of a person um, from your past, someone in your life that hurt you to the point that you closed your heart off to that person. And then when you find that person in your mind's eye, I'm going to invite you to put that person in a room in your mind, okay, that's contained. So pretend that you're going to put them in a room that's contained and look at that person through the window. So you don't have access to this person. This person can't get to you. You can't get to them, but you can see them through the window, okay? They can't see you though. So the person is contained, but you can actually see the person through the window. And as you're looking at the person, have the person do the thing that triggers you. And notice what happens in your body when they do that. Notice what happens to your muscles, to your breathing, to your heart. And then focus on that reaction in your body. And if it's possible, become curious about it. And ask that part of you in your body right now, ask why that protective part of you leaped to your defense just now when that person did the thing that triggers you. Ask what it's afraid would happen if it didn't do that. If it didn't make you feel this way. Now, don't think of those answers. Just listen. Feel. Wait for something to come from that physical place in your body. This is the time where you want to explore. You don't want to explain. You don't want to think about it. Just listen. Listen to your body. Feel your body. What is it afraid would happen if it didn't make you feel this way? Or defend you right now? And as you get some of those answers, it might be possible to extend some appreciation to that protector part of you for trying its best to protect you from this person. And also to let that part know that you're not going to let the person out of the room so it's safe and it can relax. And if it does relax, you'll notice a shift in your physiology. You'll notice a shift or a calmness in your body. And then as you notice that shift, 
take a look at the person in the room as they do the thing that triggered you before. And see how they look to you now through these eyes. See how open your heart can stay. Even as they do the thing that bothered you so much before. So the purpose of this exercise is to get a physiological sense of this protective part and then the difference to be in self relative to someone who's hurt you in the past, right? So in the beginning, when that part, when that person did that thing, you felt that, that kind of defensive feeling in your body, right? And I'm sure you're physio- physio- physiologically you changed. I, I know I, when I've done this exercise, I get hot, my heart stops racing, I get very anxious, right? It's very noticeably different. But then you can see when you kind of calm that part down and ask it to stop overwhelming you, just get curious about it, and you tell it that like that person's not going to do anything to us, they're contained in the room, and they could relax, you, can have a sh- you, sh- you have a shift, and it's because that protector part moved out of the way and kind of calmed down, and it le- allowed space for self to come in. And you were able to now see that person from your higher self. Does that make sense? So this is, this is like an applied form of mindfulness so that you can work with these different parts of you. It's really about awareness, like bringing awareness to these parts of you, these emotions you're having, these thoughts you're having, the behaviors you're having, and being mindful of them, right? Being Having awareness around them and learning how to kind of work with these protector parts or these wounded parts of you because it's, it's not just about like being compassionate and and noticing like oh yeah this part like got mad like it's kind of like seeing someone hurt on the floor and fall and looking at them and be like oh damn that sucks they fell and then just walking past them like no this part got anxious this part got really fearful this part got defensive why you like you wouldn't just like just stop and and not ask could you help them or is everything okay right like you're, this part came up you want to understand what's going on there um it's again it's an applied form of mindfulness to actually meet learn understand and essentially unburden these parts of you from the role that they have that the role that they've been playing in your internal landscape that makes sense and when you do that uh they stop driving the car and you have more room for self-leadership if that makes sense um so I hope this was helpful. I hope like this exercise was helpful. And there's ways, guys, for you to know if, you ha- if you're if you in more self-energy, uh, if you have it in your system. I teach, I'm going to be teaching this to, to the clients that I have um, in the group coaching program. I do this with my clients. I have a lot of exercises that they do so that they can get more in self. I do this before every one of my coaching sessions. I want to be really regulated, really calm, really curious, really focused on my clients. None of my parts are driving the car. You really can't help and lead and hold space for people, especially when they're in their biggest part, like moments of need, if parts are driving. Can't be compassionate or curious around it, right? Um, they, my, I make audio files and like certain exercises for my clients to learn how to be in self more. Um, also, you can tell by the way sometimes how you feel physically. 
sometimes your voice I notice when I'm really loud and like have like a really loud volume to my voice I'm in parts my parts don't feel it's almost like they feel like they have to be louder and I know that I'm more in myself when I'm calmer I have a lower voice I'm not like screaming I know that sounds weird but also, if you think about it, I grew up in a fucking house of eight kids and it was like every man for himself. If you didn't speak loud, like you didn't get heard. It was a survival mechanism. Like for me to like, to get heard, I had to speak loud. I don't need to do that anymore, right? It's not necessary. So I notice when I speak very loud, I know that I'm not in self. I could just be and that's enough. Sometimes you'll know um, physically again how you're feeling. If you're kind of anxious, you're just tense. Um, you, if you can feel if your heart feels open. Um, or if you have an agenda, I'll ask myself, like, do I have an agenda right now? Am I trying to make something happen? If I have like this, like kind of like selfish intention, I'm not in self. I have this other thing that happens. This is kind of weird, but listen, I don't give a fuck. I always share my stuff with you guys. For me, when I'm in a coaching session, I know I'm not in self. I know one of my parts is driving when I have this heaviness to the left, to my, my left eye. It's so weird. I don't even know how to explain it, but it is palpable. And it's almost this way that like, I've just, I notice it when I'm not there, when I get taken over, my left eye feels like heavy. And I, it, it, I love that like this part kind of shows itself to me that in that way, like physically, physiologically. So I know like, oh, so I'm not focused right now. And then I just kind of like, I blink, I close my eyes and then I just like, like witness that part and say, I see you. Thank you so much for being here and trying to protect me from something that's going on right here. And I kind of like check in really quickly or I'll even tell, I've told my clients like, listen, we need to take a little break. Can you give me a minute? I need to kind of check in real quick. And I've turned my camera off. I mute myself for a minute. I, I get back, I check in with that part and try to see and understand what made it come up in my coaching session. Did it get triggered or a defensive, something that happened with my client right now? And it's happened many, 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 many times. My clients talk about really sensitive traumatic shit, guys. So I get I normal. I have a normal brain and body that get that can get affected. So I just as soon as I just witness, pay witness to that part, it says, oh, okay, yeah, I, I did. I she did this or he did this. And then I'm like, thanks, thanks so much. I'm here though. I got you. I've got you. Like I, I appreciate you letting me know that, that was that was painful for you. I got it. Like don't worry, I'm, I'm here for you. And then boom, it just opens up and it goes back. So it's, it's very interesting, but that's one of the ways that I know that I'm, that I'm, um, I'm not in self. So my volume is very loud. Um, my left eye has that thing. I have no idea why. Um, I I feel like I have an agenda. I feel like I have intention that I'm, I'm trying to push and I'm not just there with curiosity. I'm, I'm more in judgment. I, I know I'm not in self. So these are some tips for you that maybe you can consider, okay? Looking out for. So I hope this was helpful, guys. Um, Self-leadership is, I think, a place that you can get to with time. If you're patient with yourself, if you're patient with all the parts of you, um, to meet with them and be with them in ways that they need you to be, to understand them. Um, coincidentally, my new group coaching program is called self made. Um, I haven't talked about it on the coach on the, um, the podcast here, but, um, I wanted to share it with you guys today. Um, it's called self made. Obviously it's, uh, the subtitle is, um, 
helping coaches uh, create or use their highest self to create successful one-on-one coaching businesses. So we use the traits of self to lead ourselves to create really successful coaching businesses. So I love the name so much. I'm so proud of it. Um, I thank my highest self, all my parts for allowing that to come into my awareness and, and I don't even know how it came to me. I don't know how, like if I read it somewhere, I have no idea. I have no idea, but I am so thankful. Um, I'm really proud of it. I love it. I'm so excited. It'll be launching in just a couple weeks. If you're not on the wait list, if you're somebody who's interested in um, working with me, if you're a coach and you're somebody who's interested in really uh, growing your business, if you're having struggles with your business and you're not really attracting clients the way you want you're not raising your prices you're procrastinating a lot of your parts of your business feel really hard and like you have a lot of resistance this is the business or this is the coaching um uh, program for you uh, i'd love and i would be honored to work with you the link to the waitlist is here in the show notes so make sure you're on it because i'm going to be announcing it to like it's going to go on it's going to start pre-enrollment I think in a week we're going to start scheduling clarity calls I'm going to begin chatting with you the process is this I'm going to announce the program it um there will be like a sales page there's gonna be a video and stuff you can watch there will be a button that you click to book a clarity call with me you'll you'll pick a day and time to meet with me we'll chat for about 30 minutes before that though you'll fill out like some you're going to answer some questions about yourself and your business or maybe the business that you're interested in creating We'll meet, we'll talk about where you're at, and I'll explain a little bit more about the program, see if it's a good fit for you, and if you are, I'll invite you to come into the coaching program. And um, I'll explain more, you guys, as the time goes on, um, but I'll probably next week I'll have way more of a deeper, um, I might even have kind of like a, what's the word, um, not a trailer, I can't think of the name, the thing that comes before a podcast episode starts. <laughs> Not like a commercial, but kind of like a commercial, right? So I'll explain more about the program. There'll be links and you guys can read and see everything about it, okay? So um, if that if you're interested in that, the link is here in the show notes. And you'll be able to, if you want to, see this episode um, or the live taping of this episode on YouTube. I'll put the link to that, to the YouTube, my YouTube channel here in the show notes as well, all right? So thanks for watching. Thanks for listening. And I'll see you guys next week. Have a good one.